Well, it's good to see everybody this morning. Um, while we're waiting for the, the band to make their way off the stage, I'm still every day at noon, man, praying. Okay? So if you don't know what that is, uh, almost a year ago, we coveted with one another to say, every day at noon, we're going to pause and we're going to whisper a prayer for FBC. And some of you are here as a result of that, I'm sure. And so as we, as we finish out what I think is, is a very monumental year for us here as Fellowship Bible Church, uh, I just want us to double down on it. I want us to keep on. And, uh, you know, if, uh, if you haven't done it yet, uh, set your alarm every day. It's, it's funny because uh, I'm, a, I'm a psychotherapist. I'll be in session and I make no apologies when my phone starts buzzing and I will say, oh, I... Let me, sh- let me shut this off. This is the time that I usually pray for my church. And uh, I whisper a quick prayer and we keep going. So I just want to encourage us all. Let's expect great things as we continue to come together in prayer. Take your Bibles this morning and turn to Romans 15. And uh, we're, gonna, we're going to use uh, a passage here to springboard into a conversation about worship. Uh, it is my intention today to kickstart a conversation about worship in a very specific way because in the weeks ahead, in the months ahead, in the years ahead, worship is something that we are going to corporately be reviewing because the way we learn to worship together has everything to do with the vision and the mission and the values of our particular expression of Christian faith here at Fellowship Bible Church. And, um, and I'm going to warn you ahead of time, I'm going to zero in today on a particular aspect of corporate worship uh, that is probably the hardest to synchronize. And it starts right here in Romans 15. So let's pick up with verse 5. And the Apostle Paul is... Um, He's summarizing a letter that he is writing to a church that's very diverse in Roman Greco culture. It's, a, it's, a, it's an eclectic gathering of the saints. And he says in verse 5, May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Jesus Christ. That together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jump down to verse 9. In order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy, as it is written, therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again it is said, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord. All you Gentiles and let all the peoples extol him. One of the things that you have to understand that sets Christianity apart isn't in the aspect that when we gather corporately together, we sing. It's the idea that people who were once so diverse and so ununified come together in this expression of praise that is with one accord. It's, it's an altogether different thing that you do not find throughout history. And I, I want us to, to stop and I want us to think a bit this morning about what the Apostle Paul was 
pointing out that makes the church, Christianity, so altogether different is, again, the way that Gentiles find common ground and they sing and praise the Lord together. Gentiles meaning those apart from the original Judaic Jewish covenant that God set up through Abraham and so forth. Now, uh, some of you are nervous already because I'm going to be talking about singing. You're not comfortable with singing. Hang in there with me. I believe that when it comes to Protestant Christianity, we can sort of predict, hey, here's what, here are the components of a corporate worship service. We know there's going to be singing. We know there's going to be preaching. At some point, we're going to take a collection. There will be praying. There will be communion. And I would just posit, I would suggest that most of those aspects of a corporate Protestant Christian service are pretty easy to synchronize, but not so much the singing. And let me tell you why. Because there's some of us here this morning that come from a traditional denominational background. And your introduction in the singing had to do with hymnals, and it was sort of a, an intro, you know, into the service. It's like, here's, here's the opening act for the real talent. Here's the, uh, here's the warm up, you know, before we can get to the preaching. And, uh, and maybe there was not just a corporate singing, there was a choir, maybe a special song. And then at the end, the wrap up as well was one of those. Here's how we, here's how we put the, the finishing wraps on today's service. Some of us here come from a high, high church tradition. And high church worship and singing is, is different. It's very formal. It's methodical. People in front of you are wearing robes, and whatever is sung is also coordinated with a common book of prayer, and there's responsive readings, and it's, it's also synchronized with a church calendar year where at certain times of the week, the month, the, the quarter, you're dialing in on certain aspects of Christianity, and it's cyclical. It goes round and round like that. Some of us here today come from a Reformed or a Calvin background. You're the custodians of what we're singing, and you're paying attention. Do these lyrics really talk about God, or is this way too me-centered? And isn't that a secular song that was converted? And so you're, you're coming into it really saying, hey, if we're going to do this, let's make sure that we're following this to the T. Some of us here this morning are most familiar with a non-traditional approach. And so church, a corporate worship setting, is going to reflect what is culturally popular at that time. So that's going to reflect in the worship leader, the band, how the pastor presents, the vibe of the music. Uh, Non-traditional, you can step into a, an urban church. You're going to get a, set, a certain vibe. You're going to step into a suburban, a rural, East Coast, West Coast, mid, mid, uh, Midwest, wherever, and that non-traditional sort of like, hey, we do in here what we experience out there is the vibe. Some of you come from a charismatic and a Pentecostal wing. And you are longing for the day when somebody runs through the aisle with a banner and we break out the tambourines and, and we are a little more expressive. We learn as a church to clap on beat. And, uh, and, and, it, and we have an outpouring here of, 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 uh, of verbal adoration and joyous celebration. 
those are, those are sort of you know, the aspects of who we see coming in. There's another, uh, there's another attendant here on Sunday mornings, too, that's, that's usually pretty gender-specific. Worship is very uncomfortable. Singing is very uncomfortable. Takes you back to that middle school dance where you and your buds are standing over in the corner, and it looks like it's fun that's going on out there, but mm, that, that, is not, that is not for you, right? But the goal of what we do when we come together as a faith community to worship is to learn to do it together. And when you and I learn to do it together, and I want you to catch the phrase in verse 6, with one accord, we're going to talk about that. There are some supernatural things that begin to happen that unifies a body that brings us together in a way that we're thinking the same, our passions match up, our intentionalities match up, and even more than that. I don't have slides this morning because this is, this, is this is a pinch hit, but you're, you're welcome to try to keep up with me. Uh, but that, that phrase, one with one accord, in Romans 15, 6, that then launches into the uniqueness of singing among the Gentiles is really first mentioned in the book of Acts. Uh, this phrase, with one accord, happens 12 times in the New Testament. It happens 10 times in the book of Acts. And I'm going I'm to share with you a little more about this phrase just so that we understand it, to give us some context about why do we sing worship songs together? Why do we do this? So the first thing I want to point out is in many of your translations, it doesn't say with one accord. It'll say in person or in one accord or with one mind. I'm going to put my seminary cap on here for a second and just take exception to that and to tell you that's not the best translation. Uh, the preposition with is very different than in. I can be in agreement with you, but that doesn't mean I'm standing with you. I can, I can, I can, I can be in, you know, something attentively, but it doesn't mean I'm walking with you. And the idea of, of being, some translations say in person, they were all in person, they were all in one accord, in one mind. It just, it, it hits a little short of what the actual orig original language means. The second thing that I want to tell you about with one accord is that that prepositional phrase in the Greek doesn't exist. It's actually one word that's an adverb. So those of you who do not like English and grammar, bear with me. I've got to keep it short or I'll expose myself. But the actual Greek is a super interesting word. That is, it, it means to accelerate in unity. I want you to think about that one for a second. To accelerate in unity. We take a phrase and we back it up to the original Greek. And what is being explained for us again and again is the idea of a group of people 
who are coming together and somehow fast-tracking their unity. Listen to these verses from Acts chapter 1. Chapter 2, chapter 4, and so forth. Acts chapter 1, it says, These all, with one accord, were continually devoting themselves to prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, with his brothers. Acts chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. They were all in, they were all with one accord, it says. Day by day, continuing with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. Acts 4, 24, and when they heard this, they lifted their voices to God with one accord and said, O Lord, it is you who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. They're singing there. At the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were taking place among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's portico. The crowds with one accord were giving attention to what was said by Philip, and as they heard and saw the signs which he was performing. Acts 15, it says, And it seemed good, having become of one accord, to select men to send out with our beloved Barnabas and Saul. Now, why am, I, why am I telling you this? Because part of the challenge that we face as an increasing group of believers, people here at Fellowship Bible Church, is how we will come and worship together and to come together with one accord. Now, there's a group that I left out earlier and those are people who, if they're not here now, they will be. Those will be people who will come in in a very sincere way. They're not here to distract. They're not here to discourage. But they'll step into the shallow end of the pool where they can wait around. And they can sort of experience what is church by way of a corporate worship setting. And they, they're going to be here in our midst. And maybe you're here now. We welcome you because... We want this to be a place where you can come and belong so that over time you might believe. But we have to learn to synchronize and to come together purposely in the way we worship. And specifically, the Bible puts our attention on singing. Singing to the Lord is one of the most reiterated commands in the Bible. You may not know that. That's especially true corporately. And the challenge of it in any sort of, of, of corporate gathering, but especially here among the Gentiles, but as we look at, at our day and age today, is that that same adverb that's used in the Greek, it's not only an, an idea of fast-tracking or accelerating in unity, but there's, there's musical connotations to it. When you look at how that word is used in other writings of that time, it's got a cadence to it. It's got a, a tone inflection to it. And oftentimes it was brought into the idea of synchronizing a music group or an orchestra. And, and I would just posit to say that the idea of different people from different backgrounds, with different contexts, with different feelings about singing, trying to come together and learning to worship in song together is like a middle school band. Do you know what I mean? 
Mike, can I get an amen? You know, if you've, if you've ever participated in, in band on that level or if you've, you've led it, what you have are a bunch of sincere young people who have their instrument of choice and they don't, they don't know how to play it quite right yet, and, but, but they're, really, they're really excited somehow to do that and they've got to learn to play with others. And it is, that's got to be the worst gig. <laughs> because it takes so much patience and so much rep- repetition, right? To get that just to the point where you can just be playing one song. But the phenomenon of the church is that when people come together with one accord, there's something supernatural that can happen in the context of a local fellowship, a faith community where their worship accelerates in unity. It just sort of comes together. If, if we're all in, we're all intentional, and we understand how it is that this thing works and why God is so specific on telling us this is a part of our corporate worship times. So... What I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to break this down. I'm going to give you some thoughts uh, from, a, uh, from a counseling standpoint, I'll, I'll, you know, a psychological standpoint, but I also am going to tie this in to uh, Scripture, of course, because we are a Bible church. Don't let anybody say things up here without it tying to the Bible. But what I want to do is I want to approach this on two prongs with general revelation and special revelation and basically give some some assurance through some education about, hey, here's why this is important. Here's why we do what we do. And as we learn to come together with one accord, what happens here in corporate worship will be uniquely FPC. It'll be unique because we are a unique family and those who God will be adding to us will, will be able to come in and synchronize with what we're doing too. So we're going to look at the physical aspect of music and why we sing worship songs. We're going to look at the emotional aspect of that. We're going to look at the mental aspect of that. And we're going to look at the spiritual aspect of that because music hits on all four of those points. So let's start with the, let's start with the, the physical. Um, from a practical standpoint, every person in this room knows what a good playlist is. You got your playlist for working out. You got your playlist for a summer road trip. You got your playlist that you know gets get your mojo going with that wife or that husband of yours. You got you got your playlist, you know, for you know just more of the heavy contemplating things. You we we try to match our life right with a soundtrack and when you do that physically it does something to you right it 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 energizes your body it it brings sometimes it can bring your body down you know to set your nervous system at ease we're seeing more and more music therapy being incorporated into physical health care because of the way it helps to regulate the nervous system music has that type of power in us and through us as human beings. I think my, my favorite uh, reference for this 
would be in the original song leader himself in the scripture, King David. And uh, David, uh, in case you're just getting familiar with the Bible, uh, he wrote most of the songs that we have there in the Bible. It's a big, he's, a, he's the single greatest author of, of lyrics and music in the Bible. And there's this passage out of 2 Samuel chapter 6. And David has conquered Jerusalem. That is where he is setting up the monarchy. That is the holy city, the city of David. And he says, all right, the Ark of the Covenant has been displaced for far too long. Let's go get it. And so David goes to bring the central part of worship, the Ark of the Covenant, into the holy city. And it takes him two tries to get it. You'll have to read the story. It's, it's, it's bizarre. It's, it's incredible. But here's what I want you to hear. The first time that David sets this up to transport this ark is about a nine-mile trip. So imagine, hey, we're going to transport an ark from Bridgeport to Fairmont, and we're going we're to do it in a specific way. It says, And David and all the house of Israel were celebrating before the Lord with songs and lyres and harps and tambourines and castanets and cymbals. It is a full-blown band, right? And everybody, the house of Israel, came together and they were moving in the direction with intention. Then things got sideways. Not so good. You'll have, to, you'll have to look at that story. But on the second attempt, David comes at it again. And it says, So David again brought up the ark of God to the city of David with rejoicing. And David danced before the Lord with all his might. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the horn, leaping and dancing before the Lord. That is what music can do. But music where we are singing to and about God is a whole other level of physical response and reaction. It gives us the opportunity to be very present. Right now, it would be interesting to see how many of you are mindful of what your body's doing. Because we check out. We, we, you know, we, don't, we don't pay attention to our bodies as long as we're reasonably comfortable. Music brings your body out of its comfort zone. And it awakens in a way that can be very sanctified, very pleasing to God. That is why when we come together, even if we're just standing in worship, even if we're just exercising our vocal cords, the music that we're immersed in here awakens us physically. Second thing, let's talk about emotion. By the way, I would like to say this. Uh, I know firsthand and have been in worship services before where during the worship, the singing, people have been physically healed. And I think that's super interesting because there wasn't a call for prayer or anointing or certain healing, you know, or anything like that. It was just, you know, the Bible says that God inhabits the presence of his people. And Jesus says, hey, where two or more are gathered in my name, count me in. And part of us coming together with one accord and learning how to worship all of us in, it means Jesus is walking the aisles. It means that a physical healing can happen just because he wants to. And so I, I just want to put that out there. It's like, hey, that's one reason why God says do this, and that's how it works. Second example, emotion, emotion. Let's take into account uh, the words of the Apostle Paul again, this time from Ephesians chapter 5. And he says, don't get drunk with wine, for that leads to debauchery. 
but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. So singing and making melody. I find it really fascinating that he ties that direction into drunkenness. Because if you're at a tailgate and they queue country roads, you're all in, you know? Sweet Caroline, bump, 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 right? <laughs> Amy, what you going to do, right? You know, we, we readily resonate, you know, when, when, the, when, when the alcohol is flowing and the social lubricant is there to jump in and to have this bonding over singing. And the Apostle Paul is saying, if you want something that is more than a social lubricant and can bring you together in an emotionally bonding way, trust the Holy Spirit on that. And that is something that begins to happen when God's people come together and they sing worship songs. I was in a church service once and was standing behind a minister and his wife and they had, they had gone through a terrible setback. Uh, there was a disqualification from ministry. Their marriage was, was hanging on by a thread. And there was this song. I can't even remember the song. But in that moment, as God's people were just singing, God's grace and love washed over that couple and it began to emotionally heal them. It's the most phenomenal thing I've ever seen. Second only to Cynthia and I, when we were uh, teenagers, we went to the same church and we were sitting in a church service one evening where a gentleman about three or four rows up in front of us died. Mr. Smith, awesome guy, always passing me candy. Everybody loved him. And when he began to have his health issue and people could see that life was slipping away and there were people there in the, in the congregation who were responders and they were, and they were moving in to try to assist him, the older saints in that church just started singing. And they serenaded that whole transition from this life to the next. And you want to talk about something that was emotionally bonding and unifying in the presence of God being felt. I will never, ever ever forget that because when we are with one accord and when we care to learn to work how to just how do we worship together there there was no worship leader that jumped up and started that it was just a couple of the old saints started in on a going home song everybody knew what to do because they, were, they had been fast-tracked. They had, they had unified in that space. Those are the type of things that, that we too can expect as a body of believers as we learn to worship together, as we're all in, as we're with one accord. Let's talk about uh, mental. Let's talk about the mental aspect 
of worship and music and what it does. Um, There's a reason that country music is so popular. It's because it speaks a language of a common people that gives you words to relate, you know, to life experience, general public. If country music isn't your thing, there's a reason that your genre of choice typically speaks to you because whoever your artist is, whoever the person is that you most resonate with, that's the person who speaks your language. And at times where you don't really know how to express the life experience, you'll find yourself listening to that music. And what I want to tell you is beyond the physical, beyond the emotional, when we sing worship music together, to God, elevating Jesus Christ, it will awaken our minds to the language of heaven. I promise you that. Romans 8.26 says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. That includes brain fog on a Sunday morning, distraction, ADHD, anxiety, depression. For we don't know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. The Apostle Paul was so blown away by how worship, worship music, singing together brings a mental focus. He says in 1 Corinthians 14, what am I to do? I'll pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. Because our emotional and physical response to God's presence isn't enough to trigger the transformation that God wants to do in our lives. Our minds need to be renewed. That's, that's what Romans 12.2 tells us. And so when we step into corporate worship and we all agree, let's sing. Let's, let's, let's try this. Let's be in it together. What we can expect to happen is that which is emotionally a little out of sorts, maybe our focus is, is somewhere else about responsibilities or the fight that we had that morning or whatever it would be. Those things, those things get silenced out as our minds are awakened to the presence of God. Um, one of the things that, uh, that the Hebrew Bible teaches us in the way that, that, that Israelites, Hebrews, Jewish people worshipped was they would meditate. I will delight in the law of the Lord. I will meditate day and night. You know how that goes. But, but for, for a Jewish practitioner, that meditation included the singing. Meditation is a, is a word for, for ruminate. They would sing it repetitively, repetitively, repetitively. And, and that, that word for ruminate is, is really, uh, it's, sort of a, it's sort of a gross word, uh, but uh, it's, like a, it's like a cow that eats its food and then belches it back up. You regurgitate it and you chew on it a little more. You swallow it and you belch it up and you chew on it a little more. You swallow it and you belch it up and you chew on it a little more, right? And I, and I remember it because, you know, as, I'm as old as I am. I remember all the big struggle between tradi traditional and contemporary services. And, and I remember the gripe was, why are we saying these same phrases over and over and over again? <laughs> 
And I was thinking, why are we singing first, second, and last verse of this song every time, you know, as a, as a, as, as a kid growing up with a hymn book. But when we sing together and the songs repeat themselves, we're meditating. We're, we're awakening our minds to what the Spirit is doing emotionally. And physically, we're bringing our body into synchronization with that. And here's what I would say. Uh, if you're new to the idea of how deep we care to go here at Fellowship Bible Church with the Scripture and the teaching, and you see some lyrics up here and you're like, I'm not sure what that means. How is Jesus a lamb? How, how is God my inheritance or whatever? I, take a note of that and then ask Michael and Melissa. <laughs> You know, ask your connect group leader, ask one of the elders, ask Pastor Todd. Like there is richness in what we're singing if you can understand it. Again, it'll awaken your mind. Okay, let's move on. So the last thing would be spiritually. What happens when I can't get my iPad to cooperate? All right, so spiritually... What happens spiritually when we are singing worship with one accord? First thing I would, I would tell you is that, number one, it renews your faith. It renews your faith. Um, the scripture says in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of Christ. Um, Turn to Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit this one. We're going to look at it twice. Colossians 3.16 says this, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in your hearts to God. Uh, if you need your faith encouraged, if you need it renewed, hey, I'll see you next Sunday. Let's get together, right? Let's, let's realize that as we're stepping into singing in corporate worship, that is a really good chance for your faith to see an increase. Second thing that, that singing worship does is it repels the enemy. It repels the enemy. Uh, there is this great, great story in 2 Chronicles chapter 20 where King Jehoshaphat, he was one of the more, he was a really good king and, uh, and he is facing the battle of his lifetime and he is severely outnumbered. Uh, enemies, uh, Israel's enemies are, are more than just intimidating and he does the most bizarre thing. He, he, he assembles the ensemble of the worship team and lets them lead the military out into battle. Now, can you imagine Michael and Melissa and their, their crew up here? It's like, you know, it's like, you know, we got the A-team back here, but we're going to let you guys, you know, go. And, and worshiping with one accord released the power of God and it repelled the enemy. It devastated them. And I just, I just want to tell you that if we learn to worship together, if we learn how to come in here with one accord, regardless of our preferences and our background, and we just learn how to do this together, 
fast track it, it's going to be really hard for enemy spirits to hang with us in this room. Like, do you understand that? It's like when we are together singing to the Lord, it makes it like impossible for an enemy agent in the spirit realm to be active in this space. And so, I, I just, again, I want to encourage you. Man, you're feeling down. You're feeling depressed. You're feeling anxious. There's just some sort of spiritual harassment. Don't miss our time together on Sundays. Don't miss it. Show up. Renews our faith, repels the enemy, and it'll release us from bondage. It'll release us from bondage. Um, we won't go there, but one of my favorite passages in the New Testament is in Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas have landed themselves in trouble again. They're arrested. They're thrown in jail. They're in the city of Philippi. They, are, they have been manhandled and beat. And they are just trying to collect themselves during the night. And one of those two dudes got the bright idea of let's worship. And so here they are, the dead of night, darkness in an inner, in an inner jail cell. They just start singing. They start singing. And, and all I can tell you as they're singing, God must have been like tapping his foot. And there was an earthquake. The chains fell off. The doors busted open. Singing together with one accord makes it really likely that you're going to be released as well. As well. But we've got to press through whatever sort of initial presuppositions and understanding that you may have, may have been your tradition, may have been your past. And we've got to come together as a community of faith with intention. And I, and I will tell you, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not the best at it yet. You know, I can't tell you that it wasn't too long ago we, we left church and, and my wife says, hey, are you okay today? I said, yeah. Why do you ask? She said, well, the whole worship time, you're standing there with your arms folded. <laughs> and I thought, boy, you know me well, <laughs> you know. And, and it's not, that's my posturing that's, in, that's indicative. She knows if I'm just sort of standing there, it's like I got something else on my mind. My arms are crossed. I'm already thinking, hey, want to hear the message or whatever. Missed an opportunity. My commitment to you is I'm going to be better. I am going to be better at that. My commitment to you is that before I head out the door to be with you on Sunday mornings, you know, a little less ESPN NFL football, a little more worship music in my house to get me primed. And I hope you'll do that with me because this can be a sacred space where as all the elements of corporate worship come together in a complementary way, you and I will discover the uniqueness of our fellowship, the power that God has to endow us with, to complete the vision and the, and the mission of our expression here at FVC of the Great Commission. Now, I've asked Michael and Melissa to come up. 
This will be a little fun. Uh, in case you guys don't know, uh, Michael and I do a podcast, the Resolutions Podcast. We did a little bit of a deeper dive on this subject last year. But uh, I, uh, I thought it would be fun to ask them a few questions to help us, from their perspective as, as a worship team leaders, um, you know, how do they do what they do? And so um, I, I'm going I'm to let you guys answer. Let people who aren't a part of your, your band, your team, uh, what goes into the song selection on any? How do you guys do that on, on a Sunday morning? Yeah, well, uh, I guess speaking more to the, the songs that we choose just as a, a part of our rotation, um, I think that there's, there's things to consider both in the, the music and in the lyrics. Musically, it's often more practical. You know, it's just, do, do I think that our, our team could portray this song well? Is it singable? Uh, you know, a, a lot of times, you know, we're having to lower the key of the song. <clears throat> Chris Tomlin. Uh, <laughs> if you know, you know. Uh, but, you know, we want to make sure that it's something that our congregation can jump in and sing along with. Um, as far as the lyrics go... Uh, we, I, I'm drawn often to the to the words of Jesus, uh, where he says that we are to worship in spirit and truth. And I think you were alluding to a lot of the same ideas there. Um, but it's the the lyrics of the song. Obviously, they've got to be true. They've got to align with the word of God. Um, but the way that it's expressed, I think there's a balance to strike where it's, you know, it's it's immersed in that truth, but oftentimes it's communicated. In, uh, in, in a more reduced way, a, 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 you know, not, not necessarily simplified way, but it's a more efficient way so that you're, you're able to, to sing it easily and it's those phrases that kind of stick in your head uh, throughout the week. Uh, and so you're in the middle of a work day and all of a sudden you're just like, my fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. You know, it's, it's just right there. Yeah, and, and so, you know, I, I, I really seek to find those songs that that communicate in in that simple way but that they're really communicating a deep truth and uh, i think a lot of times it's just songs that that really speak to us you know i know a lot of times you've sent me songs and been like man i've been listening to this all this week it's amazing we've got to have the team do it and i I think one of the songs we'll sing later is actually one of those (laughs) Uh, how do you guys come together as a team? How do you how do you do that? Like it starts here first, and then it translates out to us. How do, how does that how does that happen? Well, I think it's both practical and spiritual. You know, on the practical end, you know, we're making sure the team has the resources they need, the you know, chord charts and the, the stuff like that, uh, just to make sure that we're all rehearsed to get the songs well ahead of time. Uh, but but really, there, there's also a, a spiritual aspect of it. You know, if I'm sending the team a new song, I'm making sure that. Uh, I, I give them like a little mini devotional about the lyrics, uh, just so that they're really processing it on a on a spiritual level. And uh, I don't know, do you have anything? I mean, just touching base on like how we select songs on a weekly basis. We've, with having a baby right now, we haven't been able to do it together as much as we have had in the past. But we still, um, as husband and wife, as some of you may or may not know, yeah. <laughs> for 15 years, yeah. um, we. So we, we like to take time to um, pray together over what the week is going to be. And we, so we're always kind of a week ahead of schedule. And so we'll kind of know what the sermon series is going to be on. But we like to take time together as a couple to pray and to 
um, talk through, you know, what God may be leading us to um, lead the congregation in worship and what that set's going to look like that week. Yeah. What do you expect from us? Like, you guys are on payroll, so we roll in here and say, hey, we expect you to have some music together, right? <laughs> but no, uh, what, what, do you, what do you expect? What do you expect from us? You know, really, it's just come as you are and worship where you're at. You know, it's, I, it, don't overthink it, you know. Uh, it's, 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 again, it's about just worshiping in spirit and truth. And, um, you know, it's going to look different for different people. But we just want to create an environment, and we hope we have, where people feel the, the freedom to, to worship as they're led. And, you know, there's, there's the corporate aspect of worship, but it's also... It's individual. It's mm-hmm. just, it's you and the Lord. And, uh, you know, if you're, <laughs> there's, there's ways to, to, to fall on either side of that. And, you know, if you're, if you're doing it in a showy way just for, for the approval of men, then obviously that's a problem. But if you're so afraid that you, uh, of jumping into to, to what you feel like God is calling you to because of the fear of man, then, then that's, that's no good either. Um, so, so really it's, it's just about, genuine worship um, in, in whatever that, that looks like for you um, and, and just, just between you and the Lord. And that, that's, that's really what, what we're after. Okay, last question. Uh, I've known you guys for years. And I know, Michael, you come out of a, of a Baptist background, more traditional. Well, so you're more charismatic background, right? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, my, my, my question is, how have you two learned to come together with one accord in a complementary way in worship? And, and how, how can you coach us being a group that comes from all kinds of different backgrounds? You know what? Lay some wisdom on us. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, really, uh, we, we do. We do come from, from different backgrounds and upbringings, uh, but, but really, I think we've, we've kind of grown together, and uh, I, I think really more, it's just been a learning experience for me, just from you know, the, more, the more charismatic stuff, I think I'd always just had a curiosity about, but didn't really have the mental framework for, and I think just it was part of the learning process for me, um, not just uh, you know, us coming together as a, as a couple that leads worship, uh, but just my life in general. And I, I think we've really come to, to a place where I, I think we actually agree on almost everything, you know, when it, when it comes to, uh, to theology. I think, um, I mean, that, that, that's what it's been like for me, what, for, for you. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. We've, I mean, we got married young and we've kind of grown, you know, away from having growing up in church, both of us growing up in church, kind of feeding off of your parents' faith, you know, and as we've grown as a couple, we've really grown in our own relationships and our own walk with God, and um, I think just learning what that looks like, being in different environments, um, we were in a church that was kind of a blend, it was very similar to an FBC feel out in Denver, and just being able to be there, but also have the... um, learning to have more of the freedoms of, you know, learning more of that kind of charismatic style of worship for him and also me not feeling, I've, I've had to learn to kind of cast aside any of that fear of man of, you know, not everyone 
I mean, our first Sunday here, everybody probably was like, ooh, that girl's got her hands in the air and she's swaying and dancing. <laughs> and I've just had to learn that, you know, God, God has always just put that in my heart, that that's our, our, our bodies are designed, that when our hands are raised, we are able to breathe more clearly the muscles that we use to sing operate at their maximum when our hands are raised above our head. And I don't think that that's by any chance. God has designed us for worship. And so um, just being able to walk in that freedom of as God leads me and as the Spirit leads me, just it's a blessing to get to help to usher in a time of worship, but it's also always for me. I might be up here, but I am, it's me and it's Him. I am before him, and that's what it's always been about. And so just in you know, talking about that charismatic side of things, if our little girl's ever upstairs, which will happen next year when she's in kindergarten, she can't help herself. She is dancing. She's got her hands up. She's twirling, and she loves Jesus. She tells me all the time, she's like, Mom, I love you, but I love God more. <laughs> And I love that. So, um, you know, that's kind of been our heart is just giving that freedom to be pure and true in our worship. And I want that to be for you guys as well, that you have that invitation to just be um, real, to be raw, to not worry about what the person next to you is doing, but to remember that as much as this is corporate, that this is us standing before the throne of God, getting to just worship him. That's good. Thank you both so much. All right. Let's, let's stand. So we so we backloaded a couple of songs today. All right. So it's, we're going to get we're going to get a chance here to try this. So let's stand. I'm going to pray and get out of the way. And uh, Father, I thank you for just uh, the truth of your word. Thank you for bringing us into a place of safety of no judgment, uh, Lord, where uh, where we can come together and and. Uh, and work, you know, to, to synchronize in our worship. And Father, teach us uh, as your people the, the expression of what Fellowship Bible is becoming as a local faith community, that we would let the Word of Christ dwell in us richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in our heart to you. All God's people said, Amen. Amen.